Welcome to Faithful Innovation. I'm Tina Jason. I love learning about the way God's love motivates how people serve the world. Hearing authentic personal stories deepens my understanding of how God transforms regular work and everyday encounters into acts of grace. Join me as I seek out ordinary people in cities, suburbs, small towns, and rural places who are doing extraordinary things. The goal? To inspire a wholesome expression of faith in your life, ministry, or business. Today, I welcome Sue Hewitt to the podcast. Sue and I met in the early 2000s as adult students in the Masters of Christian Outreach program at Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota, and we've stayed connected through a common passion of encouraging people to use the gifts that God has given them. Our work has spanned a wide spectrum from leading small discipling groups to church revitalization and urban ministry development efforts. Sue grew up in rural Minnesota and has lived in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul most of her life. She's used her gifts of leadership, entrepreneurship, and outreach to develop two nonprofits, Link Twin Cities, Link stands for Lutheran Intercity Network Coalition, and Upworks in St. Paul. She's married to Brad and has two grown children. Sue, welcome to the Faithful Innovation Podcast. Thank you, Tina. It's a joy to be here. So to get us started, I'm wondering if you would briefly share just your faith background growing up. As you mentioned, I did grow up in a small uh, rural community and grew up in a Wisconsin Synod Lutheran Church. And it's interesting because my family were regular churchgoers, but didn't always see the faith life integration. And I do remember the most impactful thing for me in my faith walk early on was truly watching a Billy Graham presentation on the TV show one evening and really feeling that God was touching my heart and to just dedicate my life to him. And from then on, um, I could just tell that there was something different, you know, that the Holy Spirit was working on my heart, but really didn't come to fruition, I would say, until I started getting in God's word and joined actually a Bible study fellowship group early in my marriage and just saw my faith grow and saw God working on my life. It's amazing how different experiences open up something inside of us. I learned in reading your bio that we share a similar educational path, both studying accounting as part of our undergrad degrees. And one of the goals of this podcast is to inspire a wholesome expression of faith in life, ministry, and business. Your journey's taken you from that, I'm going to say, left-brained kind of work to ministry and developing ministry organizations. So just share what that journey has been. Uh, That is interesting. Yes, Uh, actually. And as I look back, I see God's hand in each of the probably four or five significant changes I've had in my career. As you mentioned, I did start uh, first with a computer science and accounting degree and worked for about 10 years writing or actually even designing large computer systems that tracked financials for, you know, stock investments, accounting, payroll, all the financial side. And Also did a lot of project management, um, led large groups to really put all those pieces together to deliver a system, say, for the investment group of a company. It was interesting because then when I left the career of IT and stayed home with their kids for a few years, when I went back, I actually, the first thing I did was hired by a large church to basically save their bookstore. Um, They hadn't computerized it. It needed basic business principles. So the two pastors said, you know, Sue, it seems like you'd really be able to help in our bookstore. And so after I did that and had it break even under a year, 
I always joke using stellar business principles, like you can't sell everything less than you paid for it. But <laughs> the pastors asked me if they said, so you got project management skills and seem to be good at organizing things and leading people. And so would you lead our ministry for local, national, and international missions? And I thought, wow, I know very little about missions, <laughs> but you know what? Um, I do joke one of my spiritual gifts is naivety. And so um, jump right in and gave me a wonderful pastor, mentored me through the mission side of it. And then that's where after a couple of years, I actually had three people in one week tell me to look into that, the Master of Arts in Christian Outreach. And so I feel like God really took, like I said, my business and some things I had learned to that point and then filled in the gaps with that ministry degree. And it was just a huge blessing. One piece then, too, was right when I was finishing the master's, I had our district, the Missouri district, ask me if I would come and help start a Christian coffee house on St. Louis University's medical campus. So, again, using the business and finance side, now with the Christian ministry outreach. And so um, helped volunteers oversee volunteers and do the business plan for Crave Coffee House in St. Louis. And so just that integration of, again, like business and the, the ministry, which was a huge blessing for me. And the coffee house has always done well. But as in all ministries, there's always some things that you look back. The church part has really floundered a bit, been strong at some points, and now actually is kind of getting a relaunch, which... I'm really excited about Christ Memorial Church with Reliant is going to be leading and running that ministry now, which I think will be a really a good blessing. So there's this threading I see going on of experience that happened from project management and that blend of business and developing things to the bookstore, to the local national and international ministry team, and then the coffee house. How did your passion for sharing the gospel develop in such a way that's moving you through this journey? That's a great question. It was an interesting moment driving down one of the freeways in St. Louis, Missouri. And that morning I had read Luke 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I was thinking as I was driving down this freeway, how many days I would be driving down the freeway. And I never got off and really, I would organize meetings, I organized groups to go do frontline ministry, but I was always more the back behind the scenes person. And I felt like God really just overwhelmed me with the thought that, Sue, you are the person walking by on the other side of the road. And from that moment on, I'm like, no, I need to even personally be the one crossing the road, taking time, getting my hands dirty. Yes, investing in people in a more relational way. And really, that was a tipping point for ministry for me, where now I see there are those times in crisis where people can use the handout and really need somebody to help them. But I think we're, it's more dignified and long-term more healthy for the individual when we really just walk beside them and give them the hand, even across, to say, we've got things to learn from you. You have things that we can help you with. And how is the community better and stronger when in relationship we're caring for one another and strengthening each other? Yeah, that was quite a turning point for me from more the head knowledge and heart faith, but really then moving it to action. Mm -hmm. It is interesting where sometimes, you know, in the most mundane of times, we just hear that loud voice that speaks in such a way that everything shifts. From the Crave Coffee House 
to the development of Link's ministry. Just share what Link is in the Twin Cities and how that came to be and how you came to be involved in it. Yeah, so as I finished Crave, uh, the Missouri District asked if I would help urban churches in St. Louis to re-engage in their community. And so my last two years in St. Louis, that was the work I was doing. And so when a friend of mine knew that my husband and I were moving back to the Twin Cities, he mentioned my name. He was part of a advisory organizing group to start a link organization in Minneapolis and St. Paul. So truly, before we even moved back, I had an interview with that board, and they then hired me to be the first executive director of Link Twin Cities. And part of it obviously was that I had been doing urban church revitalization. I was part of the national group that was looking at revitalization. I was one of their advisors and being able to sit in and learn and listen to what they were all working on. So that's how Link launched. And we really, when we started, we had three focus areas. One was Christian community development. So to um, really help, how do we help in healthy ways, communities? And then to raise up from those relationships, um, indigenous missional leaders to do new church starts. And um, was very cool process. Um, actually, one of my fun parts was I formed a group of about nine pastors to form a church planting roundtable, I called it, because none of the churches independently could plant a new church, but together they could. And it was fun camaraderie, too, just for them to go, okay, yeah, we can each put a piece here together and make that happen. And so from that, actually, we did have a new church plant and some new churches that were even closed, reopened with um, an ethnic ministry and some pretty good successes. But one of the things then from Link was really saw the need that people have to get that first job back to work and and to really then be a good role model for their family and, and strengthen the community. And so my heart and passion started shifting a little bit more to how do we really help those who are hurting in healthy ways? What experiences within that realm of link started to cultivate that heart and passion for walking with people who really needed somebody to walk beside them? Was there a particular experience or just kind of set of experiences that started to open that up in your heart and mind? Probably two significant things. One is we were working with a church in urban Minneapolis that had a really small Christian day school, but truly 100% of the students were children from poverty. And so they noticed that the parents needed jobs and employment, and truly maybe about half of them were new Americans. And so when we thought about how best to minister to that community in South Minneapolis, where they state 150 languages are spoken, it's an incredibly diverse community, we decided it would be best to do a um, employment training center and so we looked at buying a lot on their front of their block and building a two-story building where on the first floor we'd have a, a coffee house and then on the other side would be a resale shop for clothing, mainly because we know the first two jobs that people get um, if they haven't been employed for a while are in food service and retail. And then the second floor was going to be job training and other services that the clients would need. So we started thinking about that, and that project got rather large. <laughs> and so that was where part of it was. Um, it was really hard for me to get that all put together and do a building project and a fundraising campaign and still lead Link. 
there was another significant piece because we had already planted the church in St. Paul. I had hired an individual who had been through um, addiction program twice and he was early 30s and had really grown up in a dysfunctional home. Um, his mom was an alcoholic. His dad um, committed suicide when he was 16. Just an amazing young man. And because of things in his life, he did not have a lot of coping skills. There was fight or flight. And, you know, you see where people are like, well, just pull yourself up by the bootstraps, the old thing. And it's like, well, when you grew up in such a unhealthy, non-supportive environment, it's really hard to like pull that out of yourself when no one ever poured it into you. He was an incredibly dear friend and um, actually ended up taking his own life. And so those two pieces together just um, really hit home where, you know what, people can look like you and me on the outside, but none of us really know what life journey they've had to this point. And so Many things you look back and you go, oh, you know, there was some real significant things, um, positive and negative, that really helped me to start seeing my brothers and sisters of the world in new lenses and a much closer walk with them. You just can't turn away once you're that close. Yeah, when it moves from being an issue to being a name and a face and someone you care about, it's different. I'm seeing this movement in a lot of ways, very frontline ministry of walking hand in hand with people. Now you are part of an organization called Upworks and helped to found that. It sounds like came out of that work with Link where there was a need in a specific area that gave birth to what you're working on now. How did that transition happen for you then from Link to now working with Upworks? The transition from Link then to Upworks was uh, precipitated by two events. One is we had a board member of Link who said, you know what, um, he had been teaching at one of the local Christian universities and he was looking to do a job change and really had a passion for Christian community development. And so um, as we talked about the board, and we had this really large project in Minneapolis, the board and, and I, and this was actually mutually suggested that um, this gentleman then start leading Link and I could then launch this new initiative as a separate nonprofit, partly because we knew running two businesses and, you know, doing a whole, that was just too large of a focus and it would have detracted from the overall ministry of Link. So uh, at that point, it was end of 2011 and uh, that's when I then founded what's now called Upworks and really our focus so we ended up long story short not building the building for many reasons from that really birthed the thought where you know what um, if we would have done this job employment training center we would have basically been hiring you know about 15 people helping them get some work experience for three months then helping them to find their next job and it would have been us doing all the mentoring and coaching of them. And then they would have basically then had to start over a new job in three months. From that, we realized that there was a great opportunity to truly get our 
brothers and sisters in Christ involved by them providing the coaching and mentoring of these clients and actually us finding them a job where they could stay so they wouldn't have to be uprooting one more time because that's the hard part with some individuals who haven't worked for a while that are potentially coming out of addiction or incarceration or single moms. The last thing they need is to be uprooted again and again. They've had way too much change and challenge in their lives. So our, the model that then came from that is that we have two initiatives now, one for adults and one for children. And the one I was just describing is called Empowering and Restoring Adults. So we have about eight or nine nonprofits that refer us clients that have finished the, or are finishing their program and then but are ready now to re-enter the job market. But we know that that's a real vulnerable time those first few months um, and so that's why we, assign, we train and equip Christians to be what we call their life advocates. And so they meet one hour a week for usually 12 weeks with the client. And while well, Upworks helps them find a job and get some even some longer term goals to say, do you want to go get a little more education or what's the career that God has uniquely gifted you for? And that's our mission statement is celebrating and developing each person's God-given ability and talents to contribute to the world. Because we know God has given each one of us talents and based on what environment you grew up in, you might be undeveloped or unidentified. And so we just want to help them to find it and celebrate it and put it to use and add some joy to their lives. Mm, that's beautiful. How has God been molding your heart in such a way? Because what I'm hearing in all of this is just this softening within you. What do you feel like you're learning about God in this whole journey? Ooh, there's been quite a few lessons. <laughs> when the building didn't happen, I had spent almost about two and a half, three years putting together architectural plans, calling in favors of builders I know who are going to build it at cost and architects that do the drawings pro bono. And I had restaurant consultants volunteering their time. And I truly had probably a committee of 20 to 25 people involved in that project. And then when it wasn't a go, um, I will go into the reasons, but that put me in quite a funk for a bit. Part of it was actually everybody was very gracious and understanding, but when you've called in and involved all those people and they've trusted you and you let them down. Um, so actually at that point, I went back to Bible study fellowship, my rock <laughs> and it was fascinating because that year they were studying Moses. And that was just balm on my wound in that as I was sitting there listening to Moses' life thinking, Lord, I've had nothing <laughs> go wrong really in scale. You know, I think of Moses where God called him to go back to Egypt and, you know, free his people, but they wanted to kill him and there was all these plagues. And then even when they get out of Egypt, they crossed, you know, the river and all these miracles and they still then they want to go back and you're like oh my gosh <laughs> and I thought yeah even when God calls you to do ministry work it's not going to be easy there's going to be trials but what he taught me is he is faithful and then that's one morning I woke up and he kind of just gave me a thought it's like Sue well all of my donors um, at the end of that building project let said I told them I would redirect the funds they had given to another nonprofit because I couldn't obviously give them back to them because they had gotten donations. And they all 100% said, no, keep the funds for the next project. 
And so he woke me up that morning, God did, and said, Sue, you got money in the bank, get off the bench, get to work. (laughs) And so anyways, he taught me that, but he also taught me now to take small steps and look for wise partners, you know, and at some point, though, you really have to trust God and jump and know that he's the Jehovah Shema, we often say. He's the God that goes before us. And he learned, he taught me a lot. I know a lot of people learned a lot from that project. And, and all of that really helps us now at Upworks. We know every day that God is going before us. You know, he asks us to make a plan, but then he says, trust me. And don't walk ahead of me. Don't think you're doing it on your own. Continue to keep your eyes on me and, and I'll show you the way. And that's what I feel. We've had just an abundant blessing here at Upworks now the last two years, especially amazing growth. And it's been just a real blessing. The staff team that I'm a part of here yesterday, we focused on the scripture out of Ephesians that talks about being God's handiwork and doing the work that he's prepared in advance for us to do. To have that image of God going before you is such a beautiful thing. And to be so mindful of it now, how God's just woven that into part of your wiring as a leader and what you impart to an organization and the people who work within it, but then also to the people you serve that builds trust that God is faithful and he is providing along the way. I know the the neighborhood we're working in, we say, you know, we're we're not bringing God here. God is already here. We just need to f- see where he's at work and and work alongside of that. Yes, definitely. How do you feel like you've changed as a leader? Hmm. You know what? Actually, it has been as you as we've just been saying, a real deepening of trust and faith in God. And then as well, just the appreciation of and value of all the gifts of everyone around us. And I always like to look at each project as, you know, this is a hundred piece puzzle. And even sometimes when you look at different people, you think, oh, they have the same gifts as that person. But no, we're all slightly unique and, and but all valuable and all needed to put the entire puzzle together. And I'm sure we've all done the puzzle and one piece is missing and it's, it's not complete. And so just that value in others, don't ever go alone. I think God has made us to be in relationships and he's never given any of us all the gifts. So we really need to find those others that he's calling to do the work with us. So it is really a valuing of one another and realizing that we're all equal in God's eyes as well. You know, he may give one person a position of a leader, another to be, you know, the fundraiser or whatever position, but we're all equal. And how do you just really lift each other up and encourage each other? And and that's where we haven't really talked about it yet, but we added a new initiative this year for children. So we call it our Engaging Schools work, where we are encouraging every Christian church to adopt a local school. And it's based on some projects that have been done in Phoenix and Portland and other large cities, but it's not being done in the Twin Cities. And it's really about how do we use all God's people in a way to bring his light to the community and his care and his love. Um, Like we said, he is there already, but he's, for some reason, chosen us bumbling, bumbling, Uh, individuals to be his hand and feet in these communities. And if we're not there, the light of Christ isn't there. And so that's where I think back to 
learning as a leadership, I'm feeling more and more God saying the call is really to facilitate Christians engaging in sharing their gifts with the world at large. And it will really help our communities. And so it's bigger than our staff. It's all Christians now that we see as our call. To think about the church mobilized into the lives of children, that's a sometimes an easier baby step for somebody who maybe hasn't done anything like that before. Well, and that's what we felt too. We, some people are like, ooh, Sue, I don't know if I can mentor a single mom or someone coming out of addiction. I'm like, they're really like your uncle and your cousin. And But some felt intimidated. But we said, come on, you know what? Teach a child to learn to read. And, you know, based on third grade is when the, that's the tipping point where children don't catch up. It's so hard. <laughs> so everyone can really, <laughs> it's not beyond our ability. We just have to look at prioritizing of our lives and don't be afraid and just, you know, life will be enriched if you do. You talked about Billy Graham in the beginning, and I'm wondering, what are some of the other influential voices that have encouraged you along the way and shaped what's happening in you? Bible Study Fellowship has been huge, just that real mining of scriptures and that it's every week and every day and um, it just really made an impact and in fact there's also a book by Wayne Cadero um, that's called Divine Mentor and that was uh, I am a bookaholic I'll admit it <laughs> love to read but it was funny because his book basically said you know why he's seen all this growth in Hawaii in his church was that he has people in God's word daily. And he said he'd have people that would come to him and go, oh yeah, yeah, I get that. But what else are you doing that you're, you know, have this church of 25,000 or whatever it is now? And he'd say, no, I have people in God's word daily. And that just really hit me home to say, oh, Sue, you're reading all these other books by man. You should be reading God's book every day. And so that was really huge. So his impact. But then, too, I've had some very significant pastors and mentors along the way, especially at St. John Ellisville. There was a pastor, Pete Mueller, who just did these leadership trips and really talked about how do you do faith in life. And he's now in Texas and just, yeah, really appreciated his spiritual guidance. And and I have to say my husband as well, just a real man of God and um, how we've developed together over our 30-some years of marriage, just with Christ in the center. And so I think God also, though, does his best training, I think, of us when we're moving and working. And so truly the life experiences of a lot of things that, you know, I was thinking the other day, I'm putting together a short talk I'm going to do. I'm bad about 60% of the things I start really do well. <laughs> And I've probably learned more, though, from the 40% that hasn't gone so well. So I think life experience has been my last big teacher. And God is faithful, and he keeps saying, you know what? Get up the next day, get off the bench, and get back playing, because that's where I want you. What maybe has surprised you as you look back on it all and reflect? Oh, many things. Uh, first, that God would use this crazy farm girl from rural Minnesota. <laughs> To lead a Christian ministry, that was, this is so beyond what I ever thought, one, I would do, and and just all the blessings he's given us along the journey. You know, there's just little things that surprise me, just where he lets us see him at work. I've got like two or three stories where truly an angel saved me once when I was in Ethiopia. Uh, and I, you know, I realized later that um, it had to been because I understood this gentleman in English and the rest of the crowd that was surrounding us 
definitely didn't speak English. So, you know, there's some of those kind of things. And even most recently, um, a friend had challenged me to consider going back and getting my doctorate. And I'd been praying about it. And a few times I've joked in my life, I wish God would email and, you know, it would be so much easier. (laughs) And on July 1st of 2016, the daily devotion I got, the header was, don't put it off. And that was the day I was going to decide if, you know, this is, if I, well, I needed to decide because I started September then. So I'm about a year and a half in now, but it was like, oh, okay, Lord. Whew, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of little surprises like that. Just, I feel like I'm so grateful for his affirmation in the little things and the big things in life. And, but I know I'm on this deep learning curve yet. I every day see new things and I'm like, who didn't you know, understand that and get new insights. So mm-hmm. for his patience and persistence. <laughs> what maybe are some of the lessons that the people you're serving have taught you, particularly in this most recent venture of Upworks? Oh, that is many as well. Um, and it's, it's fun because we do... Um, intake interviews with our clients and then we do exit interviews and I thought this would make a little difference in their lives and really we have about 50 wonderful life advocates that are working with clients you know like we said one hour a week for the 12 weeks and the testimonies of the clients to just have someone in their life that's giving them encouragement that's helping them to think through their challenges totally focused on only helping them. The change has been about a hundred degree turn and you hear their appreciation and their joy. And I think of what we don't realize the difference um, encouragement makes to one another. And I think too often we come across too critical to, and it's like, no, we're all sinners and we all have things if put on the big screen, we'd be embarrassed about. And just to come in as that humble learner on an equal basis and say, you know, I'm just here to listen and help you to process. And then just the resilience of individuals has been a huge learning. Then that piece too, where we all need somebody in our life. A lot of times if you've gone through addiction, you've burned all your bridges. You have no one else you can turn to. And so just someone who says, I believe in you. So it's just, to me, the, the learnings come through just reading some of the testimonies. And every month when I have a board meeting, I bring either a client or a life advocate testimony. And, you know, it, it just gives you the energy and the encouragement to keep going. It's such a blessing. But, yeah, just how we all need to help one another. And that was God's design from the beginning. You know, he gave Adam Eve and he said, you know, Stronger are two when the brother falls down if someone's there to pick them up. And I can hear the joy in your voice as you talk about that, of seeing just the preciousness of relationship to be able to walk alongside somebody and say, I believe in you. It seems so simple, and yet it's huge. It is. Sometimes people are feeling a nudge from God and in themselves feeling timid about what, what God might be asking them to step into or feeling like they're not qualified. What word of encouragement would you give to somebody who's feeling that nudge and feeling timid about it? That is an interesting question because actually, to me, my and what, what, one thing we haven't talked about is the greatest struggle I have right now. And the greatest struggle is a lot of inward-focused congregations with, I will say, meek people, people that don't feel equipped to go out and serve. So the 
talk I'm debating doing for the Minnesota Prayer Breakfast is called United in Jesus We Stand, and basically talking about what issues in life are you willing to stand up for? And God really, in his words, says, go and be my witnesses. You know, as we talked earlier, the Good Samaritan, go across the road, get involved in people's lives. And in Matthew 25, it's like, you know, he is going to ask us at the end, were we caring for those who were hurting? When do we give them a cold cup of water or coat or just some encouragement? And so for me, um, Joshua 1.9 is the encouragement that I keep looking back to. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So we're not doing it on our own power and our own strength. God will be with us. So put aside that timidness and weakness. Be part of God's army because he's calling us to do it. But the cool thing is he's not asking us to do it alone. He's promised to be with us. And so those two pieces. So that's my uh, short version of uh, come on, you know, what are you willing to stand for? Get off the bench, get in the game. <laughs> um, it, I, but I understand too. And that's why actually one thing I didn't mention, we usually put two life advocates with one client. And part of the reason we do that is so you don't have to go alone. You know what, go with someone else and you will be blessed. So that's what I try to tell people. You're not going alone if you're meek and worried about that, but you will be so blessed when you do. It's, mm-hmm. it's design. So the scripture that comes to my mind as you say, two life advocates with, with one client is that a cord of three strands can't be broken. There's just such strength when we come together in community. Great verse, yes. <laughs> Sue, I just thank you so much. You know, we, you and I have connected over the years as we've been on these different journeys of, of ministry development. And I hope people today will feel encouraged about how God can take something that is not ministry oriented at all in our education and experiences and weave that in such a way that helps connect people to him. That certainly is evident in your story, and that move from being that backseat support and foundational support system to really moving you into that frontline place to walk with people and seeing the simplicity and the beauty of that, which doesn't always equate to easy in relationship, but to be able to walk alongside someone and listen and encourage, we, we can all do that. So as we close this interview, I just want to provide listeners with the opportunity of the ways they might be able to contact you. They can send me an email at sue at upworksmn.org. So S-U-E at U-P-W-O-R-K-S-M-N.org. And love to hear from anyone and feel free to reach out. Thank you so much for being here today. And I know that when I listen to people's stories, it just encourages me. It gives me an insight that maybe I hadn't had before. I just really appreciate your time today. It was a joy. Thank you, Tina, for inviting me. I really enjoyed hearing how God used each one of Sue's experiences to build upon the other, while at the same time shaping her heart for the ministry to which she's been called. I hope you caught the statement she made toward the end of our conversation. We don't realize the difference that encouragement makes. Imagine the difference that can be made if each person had a champion encourager at their side. We heard throughout Sue's story the way other people recognized her skills, gifts, and abilities and encouraged her to use them in greater ways. And now those experiences are coming full circle 
where she is equipping people to be life advocates, where they can speak encouragement into the lives of others. Every conversation prompts questions. So to expand the dialogue, I've created the Faithful Innovation Lab, a private Facebook group where we can consider a question each week. This is a place to share your ideas, find encouragement, and hear from others who are also on the journey as we share the ways God is faithfully innovating our lives. I invite you into the conversation to explore what God may be prompting in your own life. The questions we'll consider this week are, in your sphere of influence, where might God be calling you to provide encouragement? And what's the first thing you'll do? If you're interested in the organization that Sue leads, visit their website at upworksmn.org. That's U-P-W-O-R-K-S-M-N.org. And be sure to check out their Celebrating Success page to see what's taking place through their Ministry of Encouragement. Thank you for joining me. If you enjoyed listening today, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher so you'll never miss an episode. And if you or someone you know has a story to share, I encourage you to reach out to me and send an email to hello at faithfulinnovation.com. Make it a great week and find your unique way to share the love of God with the people you encounter. Bye for now.